You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And in this section of our our show, we're going to focus on brand transformations. And we're really happy to welcome our next guest, Laura Jones, who's the head of marketing at Instacart. And Instacart is going through a rebranding. Hello, Laura. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So I got tons of questions for you. Let's first start off (laughs) with how long you've been at Instacart and what your background is. Because Instacart's kind of a new company, so you couldn't have been there your whole life. Um, So tell us how you got there. Yeah. So I joined Instacart last June. Been been here just under a year and previously spent six years at Uber, where I was the most recently the global head of marketing for a rides business. Ah, so you're you're in with all new companies. You're a new company expert. <laughs> so um, tell us what you do at Instacart specifically. Are you? Uh, yeah, tell us what your exact title is and what you do it there. Yeah, so I lead marketing and the full full stack team across all functions, including brand, product marketing, creative. CRM, performance marketing, co-marketing, marketing operations, all the things. What, all the things. Very, very <laughs> That's great. Cool. Okay, That's awesome. so let, let's unpack this slowly before we get to the rebrand. So we've asked everybody who's come on our show how they fared during the pandemic. And we know that Instacart fared pretty well during the pandemic. You guys were in the right place at the right time. So yeah. it's, sometimes that can be hard also. Um, so uh, you said you just recently joined, but I'm sure you know like what Insta- Instacart did during the pandemic and how they leveraged that opportunity that they had. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and just to, just to jump yeah. in, Laura, just educate our listeners who may not know what Instacart is, uh, just so they can have context about when we talk about the transformation and the wonderful work that you're doing with respect to building, you know, re- m- modifying the brand and creating a kind of new paradigm around the brand so they can have an understanding, some historical context about Instacart itself. Absolutely. So Instacart is the leading online grocery delivery platform in North America. So you're absolutely right. COVID was transformational for the business. I myself became maybe not a daily active user, but certainly a multiple times a week user of, of Instacart, which I hadn't been previously. And so I really came to feel the benefit of it myself as kind of a lifeline to the outside world during COVID. And this was true for so many folks and especially, you know, folks across all demographics, older folks, younger folks, and people that might not have tried the service previously. So it was, it was really transformational. Um, and yes, you know, as, as COVID um, subsides or hopefully subsides and um, you know, we we are absolutely focused on kind of building for the long term and and making this company one that you know isn't isn't just a COVID burst, but something that becomes kind of a daily new mm. habit or weekly new habit for habit. our users and really becomes um, a service that they depend on and um, to to fuel their households and to fuel their families going forward. So, like one of the things, and this does get into the rebrand, but let's talk about the old brand. Is Instacart was grocery, right? And so the old logo and um, the old way Instacart kind of started, the logo was a carrot, I think, right? Um, <laughs> right? Is that right? Uh, 
Yeah, so we we have been around for 10 years. I'm about to have our, our 10 year birthday. And, and yes, the, the, the first logo and, and every subsequent logo has had something to do with the keratin at first. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with uh, one of our co-founders as I was going through this rebranding journey. And I asked him kind of why a carrot. And it was just <laughs> this idea that everybody likes a carrot. Nobody doesn't like a carrot. It's kind of a friendly um, vegetable, <laughs> one that everybody kind of eats and enjoys. It's healthy and very accessible. And so I kind of I loved that ethos of kind of what the carrot represents. But, yes, it was time to give that carrot mm. um, an upgrade. But, you know, when you nice. think about that carrot was a genius, not only is it a sweet vegetable, and a lot of vegetables mm-hmm. aren't sweet, and even babies like carrots, to your point. Who doesn't like carrots? But it's the epitome of a reward. You know, there's carrots in the stick. That's yeah. like a carrot is, like, in some ways, even though I think – in, in some ways, I think was a genius logo, you know, and the colors were distinctive and a carrot is always a good thing. That's, you know, there's you can think of so many different re- definitions of carrot, like carrots in a diamond ring, you know, and mm. carrots and rewards, all sorts of things that make it positive. But what I suppose would be the negative was that it would linked it too much to grocery um, mm. and, and fresh produce and things like that. Is, is mm. that p- part of what you saw was the limitation? Absolutely. So the business has changed so much from where we started. We're still grocery first, but we are not grocery only. Um, Mm. And so as we have new retailers on Instacart, including Sephora's and Lowe's, we had to think about, you know, how does this brand identity stretch? How can we make it extensible and have it still reference kind of our, our core heritage and our core capability in fresh grocery, but also speak to all the other use cases? So that was very much kind of the brief for the rebrand right there. So, you know, talk a little bit about the way you did it. And I know you kind of are building on the legacy, but trying to make it more abstract and less carrot-like in some sense. Um, But, like, I'm curious to know what kind of market research you did and what you were worried about. You know, you're trying to stretch the brand, but if everybody knows that, you run the risk that people won't recognize it anymore. There's not a marketing professor that doesn't talk about Tropicana and that disaster. So you got to run the risk of, of that with your change in logo. So what kind of, what kind of marketing research did you do on all of this? Yeah, great question. Definitely a case study in all all of our uh, MBA (laughs) marketing classes. Um, Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Definitely something that was top of mind going into this. So, and we we had kind of two phases to this journey, and the first was really the brand strategy piece, and we did a lot of research going into that, both qualitative, quantitative, and even talking to industry experts across a lot of different fields. And, and it was great. It was right around when I was joining the company, so I was able to sit in on a lot of the in-depth interviews and really come to understand not just our consumers, but also our shoppers, our retailers, our advertisers, and really get to know these different constituents in our marketplace. Because um, that was another consideration is that while we started as a kind of purely B2C marketplace app, we are also a retail enablement platform. And we also have, you know, retailers as customers and advertisers as customers. So there was um, more of a kind of, um, you know, greenfield research phase um, that informed our brand strategy. And once we had nailed down our brand strategy, we went into the design phase. Um, and for the design phase, we really... And kept it to kind of a, a small, nimble crew. We worked with and some great agencies across both phases, but um, really tried to kind of aim for what we thought would be the most compelling, the best. And then we did, um, at the end, once we had kind of our, our near final designs, we went back and did another round of qual and quant, exactly to your point, to make sure that we wouldn't um, off-put our existing customers or our prospects, make sure it was 
recognizable enough that folks could find us on their home screen, but also um, more appealing and really additive as opposed to kind of triggering that change aversion. And so just to, to just to jump in really quickly, uh, Laura, because one of the things Barbara and I talk about all the time is is to encourage uh, marketers not to uh, not to get mixed up uh, in between the difference between a logo and the brand. Right. And we always say that the logo, the colors, the aesthetic, et cetera, all that, the the, the fonts, that's the external marker. But the brand is the meaning system. That is the story, the narrative that you want to communicate and articulate to consumers about this is who we are. Can you tell us a little bit about that articulation for Instacart? Step back and sort of give us the meaning system, the brand. What is it? How do you all envision it? How do you conceptualize it as kind of the starting point to then build all of these you know, very interesting collateral and design sort of aspects around you know, taking that to the marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. So when we were thinking about kind of what is our, our brand framework and, you know, our, our mission is to provide access to food and more time to enjoy it together. And, and we really love the kind of spirit of that, that it's about both both the food, but also that experience of, in, of enjoying that food together and those kind of experiences that are facilitated by food. So we came up with a brand framework around shop and saber and shop really being the kind of efficiency and the convenience of the category and saber really speaking to and the experience of enjoying and enjoying the experience itself. And and whether that's kind of like the thrill of the hunt of shopping or whether Mm. that's just that feeling of kind of sharing love through food and that comes with, you know, a great family meal. We really wanted to tap into um, both the kind of core functional aspect as well as the emotional aspect Um, and really keeping food at the emotional core, but acknowledging that food is at at the center of, um, many experiences that go that go far beyond food. So we articulated our brand's promise as share love through food and our brand framework as shop and savor. Okay, so we talked a little bit about moving that logo and that you did do a lot of testing, and then once you came up with the one you're going to, which, by the way, is lovely. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, people should go online and take a look at it. Um, and and it, it, it signifies what America's is talking about, the brand story. Are you, what other kinds of marketing are you going to do around it to get it out? Uh, how are you going to generate word of mouth? Are you going to do any kind of TikTok? And what are you going to do with all of that? Yes. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I, I totally agree. I've been talking a lot about this, that we've now, we've established the brand. We've begun expressing it through all of our touch points, but now we really need to drive a disproportionate share of the cultural conversation. So I'll share two things that we've done already in my first year and and maybe give a, a sneak peek of what's to come. So in my first year, we um, launched our first ever brand campaign. Our tagline was how homemade is made. And when you really think about that promise of share love through food, you can really feel that being paid off by that that tagline. Mm-hmm. And that ran um, during holiday of 21 um, and really was kind of our, our first foray into brand media, into brand marketing, um, and it, you know, happened to coincide uh, with obviously a big COVID wave and really um, a period of a ton of growth. So we were um, felt good about being able to be in market and, and really remind people of this useful service at a time when a lot of folks needed to use it, um, as well as kind of reinforcing those emotional connections um, around sharing love through food. So that that was kind of our first foray. And then for the Super Bowl, um, speaking of TikTok, we did our first yes. ever social mm. first campaign, which um, was focused on partnering with TikTok influencers to celebrate those of us uh, during the Super Bowl that are here for the snacks 
which certainly <laughs> resonated with me. <laughs> That's good. So, so we did a lot of original TikTok content, um, all of which um, then was you know merchandised in the app and people could shop it. So, so that was our TikTok exhibition. Okay, so that was through the Super Bowl and through a particular event. And then Instacart, Not uh, also, like what we're seeing also with the, these other brands is um, a little bit of, I want to say, purpose-driven marketing. Like it's not o- enough to just be about the experience that you have and what your brand means, but you kind of have to take some causes that you're going to lean into. Um, and how does how does Instacart make that decision like i know for example you pledged a million dollars to support um women-owned cpg brands during women history month how do you make a decision like that yeah absolutely so i think it's it's really about knowing what's important to to your brand and what what is really authentic to what you stand for and, and what you do in the world so and um, absolutely we um uh, partnered with our, our women-founded companies um to provide advertising credit and i think that that's makes a ton of sense because, again, we're really trying to soak the food ecosystem, make it inclusive, make it rich. And I think the biggest cause you've seen us go out and support and, and kind of our top priority cause that you'll see us aligning is really around hunger and food access. And mm-hmm. and that comes both through nonprofit partnerships, of which, we, of which we've done you know many, many over the years and continue to have ongoing relationships um, with some of the, the top NGOs focused on hunger alleviation, but also in our products. So we've also, we were the first service to get a EBT SNAP access um, for online grocery, and that's something we've been really focused on expanding and making sure um, that by design we're making food more accessible to everyone. So I got it. We only have a minute or so left, but um, you said you worked at Uber before, right, when you came? Yes. So I'm really curious, like the Uber culture versus the Instacart culture. Like, what can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I (laughs) I feel incredibly lucky to... And have gotten to work in into such world-changing companies and that have such ambitious agendas. And I think each is really distinct and reflective of and both the industry as well as the founders, the leaders. And, and I, I was at Uber for six years, so went through several chapters. Yeah, and, there were some interesting chapters. <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, with Instacart, I just, I've been really attracted to the kind of warmth and inclusiveness of the culture and this kind of culture of generosity and abundance that I think is is very authentic to um, what we do in the world, but also to how we show up and how we treat each other. So that's been something that um, I've just been been really appreciative to be a part of. Okay, well, that's pretty interesting. Um, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. And if people want to find out more about what's going on at Instacart, where should they go? Well, you can check out our, our newly launched company website, um, which has all of kind of our latest news and um, was was just refreshed as part of this rebrand. So um, hopefully you can check out the new uh, the new refreshed half carrot uh, in full action on our website. <laughs> well, that would be great. Thank you very much for joining us.